What's up, meeples? On today's show, we discuss the new feature-length documentary, Game Master. We talk about the show's premise, break down what we liked, and just who this documentary is really for. Along with all your usual weekly news and Kickstarter campaigns, this is the podcast with Cooler Gaming Community. What's up guys, my name is Jason. And I'm Ian. We are two game club organisers shooting the breeze about tabletop gaming. So stick the cat on, grab a brew, and let's move on with today's show. That's right guys, we're going to kick this week off as usual with what games have graced our welcome mats and tortured our bank account. So Ian, over to you, have you had anything turn up this week? Um, money's a bit tight at the moment, so no new games this week. Um... I have had the luxury of continuing my spree from last week of the, all of the code cards literally minutes before um, we went um, recording this for my Pokemon card game have gone live on the online game. So I had the fun awesome. of opening all of the packs again for the second week running. <laughs> and from what I was seeing, you were actually pulling better cards virtually than you were Story uh, of my physically. life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a bit of a slow week as well when it comes to uh, games turning up. I've had no new board games turning up this week. However, I did get two of my pre-orders for Marvel Crisis Protocol turn up. The uh, long-awaited Spider-Gwen and Spider-Man, you know, Miles Morales Spider-Man pack, as well as the Green Goblin pack. So they arrived yesterday. They are now fully built and ready to be painted. Didn't really hold off too much on that. I've been really excited to get the Green Goblin one turn up so uh, yeah fantastic stuff that that's turned up can't wait to actually get them to see the table good good so talking of seeing the table what games have we played this week now i know that uh, you yourself have actually managed to get a fair amount of gaming in this week oh, i've been a bit of a busy bee um i had the luxury of catching up with a good few of my um, friends the other day played a few party games while we were there so um 50 of my games this week are um, pc games but at the table, we started with a game which I can't actually pronounce on this show due to try, trying to keep family friendly. But it is F asterisk asterisk K. And the pre- Guess what that's called. <laughs> <laughs> but the um, pretense of the game is it's just like a mental challenge game, quick fire game. You all draw col- uh, cards um, one at a time. And the game version we were playing was just to get rid of your cards. Be the first to get rid of all of them. They either have a card with the F word on it, and you're not allowed to say the F word, so you follow other rules that I'm about to come to. A swear word, where you just say the swear word. A color, a coloured card with a word of a colour in black writing. So it might be a red card with the word green written on it. You've got to say the word green, I with, think, if I've got this the yeah. right way around. No, I think I've got this wrong. No, you've got to say the word red, because that's the colour of the card. I think I could have this wrong. I, I was really rubbish at this game. Um, <laughs> and then the other cards were the opposite. So you'd get a colored word in the middle of a color. So it might be a red card with the word green written in blue. And you had to say the word blue. <laughs> nice. Yeah. My head does not fit with all of this. I was useless at it. I came dead last. We played with a colorblind person. He won. Don't ask how. <laughs> um, and a semi colorblind person who came second. Nice. So what so we're actually sh- saying is you actually get an advantage if you're colorblind in this game. No, they are just better than <laughs> us. Um, the shout out for them. That was a really good laugh. 
And we followed this up by a game both me and you, Jason, own um, called Trial by Trolley. Done, oh, yes. Done by the Cyanide and Happiness team. Pretenses. Every round, one person is the um, train driver. And you have a, two tracks in front of you. You've got to pick which way your tra- runaway train goes down. You got um, the decks play two good cards for you. Then each t- everyone else is split into two teams. Each team picks another good card to go on your track. You then pick a bad card to go on your opponent's track. And then you pick a modifier. So it might be something like one track has a, a dog cuddling a kitten. And um, a child who will one day become a superhero that saves the world. But you also might have Hitler on the same track. <laughs> and then you might modify the, the um, dog and the cat that they might lose. They're about to lose everyone they love. <laughs> you know, and then you have something equivalent on the other track, and the person who's the train driver has to pick who gets run over, and yeah. everyone gets a go at being the train driver. And you... Yeah, definitely. And I, I've I've got to say, you know, if anyone's ever playing that game with me, if you desperately, desperately want to win that round, and I'm the train driver making the decisions, just play the Chad Kroger card. I'll, I'll be going down that track. Uh, that that yeah, I'll happily kill him every single time, no matter what else is on the track. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that is a really good game. I yeah. love the Trial by Trolley game. This, the games that the Cyanide and Happiness crew come out with are amazing. Yeah, so we started with those. And another one, um, we may have mentioned this in the past, I like my Nintendo Switch and I like my party games. Um, Team 17 that originally did Worms and all of those sort of games, their latest one is called uh, Moving Out. Me and Jason have played it a couple of times. It is hilarious. It is cooperative game of um, literally removal men but it is as stupid as smashing through every window dropping fragile stuff crazy um comedic houses to try and get stuff in and out of and we had a good good laugh with that and then the other game that's come out um digitally this um in the last week is a game called four guys which is literally the um, love child of takeshi's carter and total wipeout done with what <laughs> creatures that look like minions <laughs> it's all the best things yeah it's a really funny game good little party game and it's just like survive as long as you can sort of thing um i actually managed to win one of the runs so i'm quite pleased but yeah it's good fun definitely some cheating involved there though. <laughs> i myself haven't uh haven't actually really been playing much this week i have had my young son to look after all of this week so i think the extent of my gaming side of things is we played some uno uh, so yeah, going old school with that one, but he loves his Uno, so I can't really complain. Where my hobby has been coming from this week uh, was obviously on the Discord on the Monday, was just sort of catching up with everyone, and also receiving the uh, the Marvel Crisis Protocol miniatures. I, I've built and got them ready for painting, as well as the games that I purchased a couple of weeks ago, uh, the Zombie Side and... Alien vs Predator games, they have all been base sprayed, ready to be painted, and Zombie Side is now half of the box has been painted. So I've been busy painting this week, basically. And one day I'll convince Jason to paint all of mine too. It's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they're the uh, the games that we've played this week or painted this week in my <laughs> in my case. We're going to move on to our main topic this week, which we got together last night. We were going to do this all on one night, but. Uh, Due to some technology issues, for once not on our part. But yes, we um, we decided that we were going to watch the new feature-length documentary that was due out in the United Kingdom on the 12th of this month, which was indeed yesterday. 
and it is entitled Game Master. It's an American documentary. It's about tabletop games, would you believe it? Um, so yeah, we, we decided to watch that. We're going to chat about it today, what we thought we liked about it, what we disliked about it, anything we would have done differently, and basically give you guys an idea as to whether you really want to go and watch it, because this is a paid feature. It is not something you can pick up on the likes of Netflix, etc. No, we had to rent it once we eventually fired up Jason's coal-powered coal laptop. <laughs> yeah, so we, we managed to finally nail it down that we rented it on the iTunes platform. It only took us two hours. About that. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It is, hopefully by the time you guys hear this, it should be available on all of the platforms that they intended, which would be Amazon Prime, uh, a, a streaming service called Chili that I've several that we didn't really not really about. heard of, but yeah, I, iTunes currently is the only one where it has it working in the United Kingdom. And funny enough, it topped the iTunes charts yesterday because there was no other way to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not uh, that's not helped it at all, is it? <laughs> so, what are we going to tell you about this uh, about this documentary? So, what was it about first? Board games. <laughs> I'm not wrong. That's right, it's about board games. And to narrow it down a little bit more, it's about the production of board games and, and how the board games come to be on the shelf. I'd say it's, it's also about like the designers behind them as well. Yeah. It's it's the story of a couple of people, a couple of games, and what the very basics of what the industry entails and give people more of an idea of how the boxes we have in front of us you know, on gracing our tables on a regular basis, where you know how they come to be and how easy or difficult that may be and yeah. how profitable that may be lots of questions like that and i will say like i mean you and me both know a f we like to think a fair bit about the board game industry but both of us learned some things from, from this uh, from this program so it's definitely a very good educational program when it comes to the board game industry but for the most part you follow the progress of four different designers uh, four different games for very different types of games, in fact. And actually, it, it's nice because one of them sort of went down the Kickstarter route and it failed. But then you sort of saw how they bounced back. You got to see one of the media-friendly uh, game designers, uh, which actually emanates from Pakistan. And her game is all about avoiding arranged marriage. So it's obviously got some serious topics going on there. It's interesting to see how, you know, these people say how their games affect their lives, particularly that one, but how it can put strains on friends, family, how you go about forming a business. You know, one of the games they mention, and again, I don't want to get, spoil everything, but, you know, one of the games they mention is um, they made a massive colossal amount of money and that were able to start a business from scratch from it, but it didn't mean that they were millionaires overnight. No, and that, that one was actually a very interesting one. You know, we're... We don't want to give too much away for you, but to give you a rough idea, it is the Exploding Kittens game, which back when it hit Kickstarter was absolutely monstrous. It broke all sort of Kickstarter records, bringing in $9 million. And they talked to the, the, the designer about it, and he actually was able to break things down and actually explain just how much they personally took home from that. And from the nine million, they just about broke even to the point of paying Kickstarter fees, paying the production fees, printing like printing thousands and thousands and thousands of copies yep, of this game. Exactly, and they just about managed to set up a company in order to continue 
making games. They make a little bit of money out of that, but not enough to not set enough. them up for life. Yeah. Or so anything you, you like sort that. of think to yourself, and, and I never even looked at it that way. You know, you think, oh, wow, they've made nine million pounds on essentially a card game. You know, they're set for life, but actually, they're out not. Of all of the whole hour and a half documentary, we only saw we only saw one game that actually set someone to live off of for life. And that was Settlers of Catan. Yeah, definitely. Um, everything else was... It was following in there the, the process of getting a game to uh, to market, wasn't it? Yeah, and also reruns of the game as well. Yeah. We got to see a second printing on a game and decisions they had to make due to costs with that as well. Yeah. Which is absolutely fascinating. So the four games that you follow throughout the uh, throughout the documentary are from uh, designer Charlie Bick, who came up with Trekking Across National Parks. Um, you've got Thug Life by Jason Saroto. I apologise if I butcher all these names. You've got Scott Rogers with Ray Guns and Rocket Chips. And, of course, the one that we've already mentioned, which was the Pakistani-born Nashra Bala Gamwala. Again, apologies for butchering these names. And that game was arranged. And throughout the whole of this... You sort of see, like we said, it goes from how they came up with the idea of the games. How the games developed, how the ideas developed with a couple of them. National Parks is a really interesting one for that. Production is a huge part in a lot of them. Yeah. And how it affects their family lives and their general lives. One of them turned them into a family business that actually strained the family. Yeah. Another one did the opposite where the family, they had to ask the family for help and it's made a stronger bond creating a family business. Yes. So it's been a very, it was very interesting. Yeah, yeah. You, you sort of don't think about those kind of things, really, do you? Along with a few other things, there there are some big, well-known names from the gaming industry that have done interviews for this as well. Two most notable ones that I think every single person either knows of or, frankly, should know of. When that is Matt Leacock of Pandemic Fame. Again, I'll clarify, Jason. We should know the games of. I wouldn't know of a clue on any of the, the um, creators' names, <laughs> so I'll forgive you if you don't know those. Yeah. And uh, one of probably one of the most well-known uh, creators so far, really, because he's just a crazy amount of games to his name, which is Eric Lang of Blood Rage fame, as well as Warhammer Forty K Conquest and about fifty million other games. Yeah. So it's good to actually hear their side of things as well, because you, you, like you said, you know the games that they make, but you don't always know the person behind those games. So it's actually good to hear that side of it. There are a fair few other uh, game designers that are throughout the documentary, but I've got to be completely honest, I, I'm not f- too familiar with with their works. Uh, but it, again, it's it's great to actually hear all of these different opinions. Yeah, another section that I thought was interesting, they covered, again, me and Jason sort of found this semi-controversial, is they covered both Gen Con and um, Essen as the two big board gaming conventions. Yes. But it showed how much they each favour the areas they come from. Yeah. Gen Con just favoured American games and American people and American designers, and Essen seemed to do the same thing for Europe. Yes, yeah. There's nothing inherently wrong with that. Obviously, there's a reason that Euro games are incredibly popular in Europe. So, yeah, yeah it, it definitely makes sense. Now, there was one part of this documentary that actually kind of hit home. And, and I've got to be honest, I feel quite bad that I hadn't noticed it myself. Um, they actually touched upon the lack of diversity in the tabletop hobby whether it be for like if you've got characters in a game you might get four male characters and only one female if at all 
And one of the game's designers pointed out he had three daughters. And they would A, all fight over the one female character, and B, turn around to him knowing he's a game designer, saying, why does my game not have more girls in it? Yeah, and yeah, it, it really did highlight just how much of, you know, how far behind the times uh, tabletop game design really is on that front. Obviously, one of the games that we were talking about was the one about uh, avoiding, it was about avoiding arranged marriage. So that that clearly is going to cover lots and lots of different diverse backgrounds to it. But the other one that took my interest, though, on the same front, and I know you were about to sort of go down this, was Thug Life. Yeah. It's a very controversial subject, and this is also the one that failed its first Kickstarter attempt. Yeah. But as the designer said, he had sort of characters that people were calling him racist for making, but he was follow. He had characters for every race, every gender, every color. Yeah. But they followed the stereotypes of what he could see. He lived in suburbs where gang violence was a problem, you yeah. know, growing up. So he was trying to take people off the streets by playing it on a game instead. Yeah. And I find that quite honourable. But it was it was weird because we looked at that game when it first came on the screen. It's like, this is something that wouldn't interest us. Yeah. But when you hear the story behind the game and the reasonings why, it can really change your opinion on how you look at things. And it definitely did, to be honest. And that, that just shows really to me that my eyes need to be more open. You know, I, I find myself to be an incredibly well-versed, um, accepting person of everything. You know, nothing really bothers me, you know, in that way. But but like you said, I only really took an interest in that game once I'd heard his backstory and found out how he came up with that game. And to know that it was actually essentially his own life. Yeah, and this sort of segues onto another point brought up by the documentary, is how key box art is yeah. to a board game. Again, using Thug Life, the original Kickstarter imagery they used really put me in you off. Yeah, It just didn't look like the sort of thing that was our scene, and it developed into something that actually looked interesting. And it got us talking while we were watching it on how many games do we pick up just because we like the art, and yeah. how many don't we? Or it's, yeah, if you pick a game up in the shelf, or it, off the shelf in, in, a, uh, in a game store, is it because it's a game that jumps out at, jumps out at me, or is it just potluck that I've picked it up because... The answer is it's because it stood out. I mean, we looked at that um, with the guy who made um, yeah ray guns and rocket ships. It was really interesting. Neither of us particularly liked the style because he went on a really retro um, antique start toy style yeah. design of the box, which I just don't think is neither of our two cup of tea. But it's interesting because it did still stand out. Yeah, but I, you know, especially I, when you saw it at the at the end of the documentary, and it, it got to the shelf, and it was in amongst all the other games that we already know, and it, it stood out. It really did to the point that I know if I was in that shop, you picked it up. I would have picked it up to at least have a look at it. You know, it's only then I would have realised that maybe it's not really for me. Maybe it is for me. Right, space and it's a space themed game. Once, yeah. but once you've been picked up, you've already won half the yeah. battle. And it actually played that that particular game actually plays back to an episode we did a little while ago about IPs. You know, he talks about how originally he wanted to do a Star Wars game, but essentially, so he realised he was never going to get the Star Wars IP, so he'll just do and his own Star Wars. Which, in turn, he pointed back was Star Wars was designed because George Lucas wanted to make more on Flash Gordon and got told no, so he goes, "I'll make my own Flash Gordon." Yeah, and that's where Star Wars was born. And this guy did the same, pointing out in the documentary, did the same thing for his space themed game. I want to make a Star Wars game. I can't do it. I'll make my own Star Wars then. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, uh, again, it's it's all backstories that you're never going to know. That's not the kind of thing you'll ever, if you buy that game in the shop, it's not going to have that in the book. 
No. You know, so it's really good to hear those stories. So what was, you know, we've said a lot of positives about this documentary. What would you say were the things we were disappointed with? As amazing as the documentary was for information, at certain points I found myself sort of like, well, you're repeating the same information. You're, you know, uh, thinking to myself, well, actually, do you know what? This is an hour and 36 minutes, this documentary. I probably would have made it an hour. But what actually hit me afterwards, and especially after we had a discussion afterwards, which was there's so many topics inside this documentary. The perfect thing they could do is do a mini series and cover each topic per episode. It sounds funny how we've just contradicted ourselves saying this could have been a shorter documentary, but that's because of how much they skimmed bits. Again, it needed to be lots of shorter documentaries. I did find myself within the last like half an hour wondering how long was left. And it's not through I wasn't interested, but it, as you said, it became a tiny bit repetitive, and they started to skim, almost skim read rather than go into interesting depth. It would have been much nicer to either have a documentary per game or just per section like one of the things we found fascinating was dissecting down crowdfunding yeah and literally that was what a minute tops same with the production uh side of it it was really interesting to actually get involved and see what happens at the factories and stuff like that and for them to cover to sort of say well you think that a board game is all made in one factory it's not it's made in covered like one game covered like 10 yeah exactly 20 suppliers and you but it would have been maybe a bit more information on that. That would have been would have been great. You know, the the production side of it had a bit longer than the uh, than the crowdfunding side of things. But we're still at, we're still only talking maybe five five ten minutes on that. I just sort of felt like you got a large part on where the games these particular games ideas came from. You skimmed through how they got them into reality, and then talked a lot about the end product. You know, where it is and things like that. And again, they briefly touched on um, having crowdfunding versus going and actually vetting your game through a big company and trying to get them to Mm. do it. Which again, lots of questions came up that we didn't, we'd never even contemplated the answers to, you know, on how you narrow down from 500 choices to four that the company's going to go through. Yeah. Um, Not to say that the other games they don't choose are any good or any bad you know or bad it's just what the company prefers and thinks will work one thing that actually i do remember very vividly from from the documentary when it comes to the going through a company as opposed to crowdfunding it yourself which was the monetary gain that a designer will actually get yeah when they essentially sell their game Um, and they sort of broke it down on 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 a layman's terms they roughly get about 5%. And if you actually work that out on, say, a $20 game, that means they're going to be getting about 50 cents per game sold. Yeah, because obviously you mark down what the profit of the store versus the actual cost of the item. So you've already lost half Yeah. then, and then you start getting a percentage of that. You know, it's yeah. one thing they said is that they made very clear at the end of it, which, again, even we didn't realize, which... If you make games, you do it because you enjoy making games. Yeah. You don't do it to get rich. Quick. That was incredibly refreshing to hear, to be honest, because you sort of think, yeah, they're all businessmen, they're all businessmen, they're all about the money. Actually, what you will find is where the games start, the game designers, they are gamers at heart. They are doing it for the joy of others and the um, the pride of having your own board game out there. Yeah. And... That was the key thing that every single one of the designers said at the very last part of that 
documentary, which was if you're getting into game, you know, game design to get rich, you need to think again. Yeah, you're in the wrong industry. And that was really nice to hear. Yeah. So, any what negatives did you find? Negatives or things that you might have changed slightly personally? As I said, I think the balance of the show was slightly off. There were so many more things we'd have liked more information on. And also, as I said, you know, points where we were almost switching off. I would say it's probably the middle. The middle section just got a bit slow for me. I suppose. Because it started well and then... I suppose when you're talking about four different people's stories, one after the other, you're going through the same information four times. Yeah. And the way that this program was designed was here is point A of the journey, here's point B of the journey, here's point C of the journey. So we'll do point A four times, point B four times, point C four times, rather than just going back and forth. Yeah. Um, But again, and it would have been nice, I suppose, for maybe a few more games and the designers to have been involved with it. And the fact that at the end of the day, this is an American documentary, so it was focused more on the American side of things. Yeah. As I said, the only sort of worldwide aspect of it was the lovely Pakistani lady and her arranged game. That was really interesting to hear. Yeah her going back and forth between America and Pakistan and the impact that game had on her life in each place. Yeah, without a doubt. Because, I mean, they they actually sent some of the cameras over to Pakistan with her when she went back for a family wedding. And you could see the way that she was being treated by yeah. by people back home. And it really does hit home how serious certain things are and, and how different things are in, in different yeah. cultures. And then the only other bit they covered worldwide was the small section on Essen. There were far more bits. There's a lot of the other... My other sort of gripe was some really interesting tidbits that they just skimmed through. Like we saw there's a convention in the States that is just for board game designers. It's not open to the general public. Mm. But a lot of people bring their games for testing and that sounds fascinating. Yeah. You know, especially for the fact that we have our ideas of our own games and stuff. But I didn't even catch where it was. No. You know, without going back through it, it's it was so one and done and gone within a minute. Yeah. And I felt lots of stop and start information like that from this show. But I don't want to fault the show. I really enjoyed it. I would happily watch it again at some point. I do think it is more down the enthusiast line than just general interest. As I said, it's not quite balanced enough to just go what's this about you know like in a weird way I've watched... if you've if you've got uh jimmy who's just got into gaming and has only really played Catan, i i wouldn't necessarily be recommending to watch this program however you've got established gamers that have been playing for years um i love everything about the hobby it might be up your street if you want to know how a board game comes to be but to be honest, the real target audience for me is those like us, I suppose, with aspirations of maybe creating your own game. And it sort of gives you a very, very little look through the letterbox to see what the, what the road ahead looks like. Yeah, we're dipping our toe into the pool to see if we want to jump in. Yeah. Um, so I don't think there's anything else negative I could really say about it. I really did enjoy watching it i am very much the same as you i would happily watch it again i very nearly watched it again today but yeah it's an hour and a half is a, is a bit of a large amount of time to set aside you know there's it's it's a full-length movie at the end of the day yeah i'd love again my only thing is i'd love i love this as like a more in-depth series i would very much love to see that this is so well received which the fact that it is topping chart, you know, it topped charts in the states when it came out last month. Uh, it's done the same on the iTunes chart in the United Kingdom. I would love to see that people see that. I would love to see that 
companies have seen that and maybe someone like Netflix or even Amazon will go ahead and do a tabletop um, series. Yeah, yeah, It only needs to be a mini-series. I'm not saying I want something that's got 12 to 20 million episodes. A six-episode thing that maybe follows from design. Literally, if someone says, oh, I'm going to design a game, they follow them from day one all the way to delivery. You know, if they started that today, granted, we're talking two years' time. Yeah, but you can do that in smaller chunks. And also, if you did it into a series, you could do each episode on several people at different stages. One thing I will say I also noticed, and I think you did as well, they have clearly been working on this for a very long time. Yeah. Uh, One (laughs) of the particular interviews that happened was from, if I remember correctly, Gen Con 17. Almost. It was um, Essen 17. That was it. Sorry. Essen 17. So three years. Three years they've been working on this. So I I would not say they've wasted their time. I would definitely say it's it's great. Yeah. I really like it. And I would definitely recommend it to anyone who is interested in how games come to be. It is very board game centric. So don't be expecting anything war games, role play, or even card games, I suppose. Trading card games trading card games yeah it is board game centric so that yeah again brings more onto our series idea though it'd be nice to cover some of these other things and where they come from i think we'll wrap it up here it's it's a very different episode we're not really talking about gaming we're not talking about a game yeah we're not talking or... about a game but it was really good to to actually watch it so uh yeah have any of you guys taken the plunge and and watched it i know that paul over in the new shed is uh has been the bit to try he's and have scratching at the bit he uh i was talking to him today about it. he couldn't quite figure out how i'd managed to watch it until i told him mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure by the time we record this he's now watched it that's only if jason lets him out the newsroom of course yeah uh, after he escaped to the newsroom and escaped to the new shed last week you know? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah have any of you guys watched it what did you think of it is there anything that you would have liked to have seen change what, do you like the idea of there potentially being a mini series going forward you know if there is we'll hit up netflix they seem to green light anything these days <laughs> let us know on any of the social medias what you thought and uh, yeah we'll close this section down and hand over to paul in the cgc news shed over to you paul Hi, hello there. I hope this finds you safe and well, and welcome to the newsroom. Three new Warhammer-based titles are releasing later this year, spanning the universe of Games Workshop's fantasy and sci-fi miniatures games. First up is Warhammer's 40k, which is getting a sequel to its 2018 co-op spin-off, Space Marine Adventures Labyrinth of the Necrons. The new release, Rise of the Orcs, puts players in control of a squad of Space Marine Terminators who must defend a shield generator from waves of attacking Orcs. Playing up to five people, but including a single player mode, the game takes around half an hour for a single playthrough. Each character has unique skills and weapons at their disposal, and the plastic models are from Warhammer 40k's Space Marine Heroes range of unique named figures, meaning they can be used in the full 40k matches. This is in addition to 40k's latest announcements of newly revised rules, giving small yet dramatic changes to many of its weapons, brand new codexes, giving so much more than updated datasheets and Battleforge rules, and lastly some snazzy new look retail boxes. Secondly, Age of Sigmar is getting its own dungeon crawler in the form of Crypt Hunters. Stormcast Eternals 
including Griff Hound Companion Valiant seeks an ancient relic in the labyrinthine 10,000 tombs. Crypt Hunters is a competitive two-player game with each player controlling either the Stormcast Eternal or the Chain Rasps using a unique deck of cards and custom dice. The Chain Rasps players also create the labyrinth from a set of modular hex tiles which the Stormcast Eternals must explore in search of the Hishian Illuminator artifact. The game can be played in a standalone half-hour session or as a campaign with the option to introduce burdens for additional challenges. As with Rise of Orcs, the miniatures from Crypt Hunters, including Stormcast Eternal and Chain Rasp Push Fit Minis, can be used in full battles of the war game. The third game on its way is the new edition of Blitz Bowl, the spin-off board game based on Blood Bowl. Blitz Bowl Season 2 features improved rules along with human and dwarf teams for the two players to put against each other on the pitch. The game plays like a compact version of its full-size sibling with the players competing to score goals and injure their opponents using smaller teams, simplified rules and in under an hour for each match. The game's announcement follows the recent reveal of a second season edition of Blood Bowl due for release later in 2020. Space Marine Adventures, Rise of the Orcs, Crypt Hunters and Blitz Bowl Season 2 will all be released later this year with price details yet to be announced. Games Workshop announced that the games will be exclusive to Barnes & Noble in the US with Rise of the Orcs exclusive to video game retailer Game here in the UK. At a virtual convention for She-Ra and He-Man fans named PowerCon, a brand new Masters of the Universe RPG has just been announced named Legends of Greyskull. This isn't the first He-Man news we've seen as Netflix is developing an animated show and Simon announced a licensing agreement with Mattel to release Masters of the Universe the board game which was exciting news in itself, but suggests we'll be seeing a lot more of Masters of the Universe across these reboots. The brand new RPG adventure, based within the familiar world of Eternia, where magic meets technology. It will see you exploring the secrets of Greyskull, all to become Master of the Universe. Players will be able to create their own masters, which means you can opt to create a more classic character, much like those from the original series, or create your own to fully explore the world. As there were variations in the focuses across its cartoons and comics, the rules will support differing playstyles and preferences that you may have. It's also worth noting that it's based within a multiverse, so characters may have discovered the power of Greyskull in their own worlds. The RPG will consist of a core book, a digital companion and toolset, a community content creation and sharing platform, and an organised play programme. Early gameplay examples are viewable on YouTube, PowerCon. The game is set to release in 2021, however there will be a public playtesting period beforehand. You can sign up for email updates over on its site which currently shows the trailer, a little information and a sign up option. The address to the website is legendsofgrayskull.com. Ravensburger is continuing its streak of licensed titles in the US following recent releases such as Wonder Woman, Challenge of the Amazon, Back to the Future, Dice Through Time, Marvel Villainous, Infinite Power, and Disney Hocus Pocus the Game, with its announcement of upcoming game, the Princess Bride Adventure Book Game. This 1-4 player cooperative game from Ryan Miller includes paintable miniatures of all the main characters, bears a 15-90 to 90 minute playtime, and has a US release date for the 4th of October this year. 
Following the incredible story of the Princess Bride through six chapters, players must work together to keep the plot on course despite shrieking eels, kissing and constant interruptions. Will the force of evil or true love prevail? Each chapter has a series of challenges that require characters to be in specific locations and specific story cards to be discarded from a player's hand. All challenges must be completed before players can advance to the next chapter. A chapter can although be interrupted by different base story conditions or by the grandson. Players have one more chance to complete the story after an interruption or they lose the game. Steamforged have announced a new series for the Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. Epic Encounters are two all-in-one boxed games. The upcoming sets feature everything players need to experience a scripted adventure for the fantasy role-playing game, aimed at new and experienced players alike. The first two Epic Encounters releases are Shrine of the Kobold Queen and Lair of the Red Dragon, which both come with double-sided game mats designed for player battles, a variety of different tokens and an adventure book featuring the required monster stats. The two boxed adventures also come with their own unique set of miniatures for each of the creatures featured in the scenarios. Shrine of the Kobold Queen includes 20 miniatures representing the army of various kobold warriors and cultists that players will have to face during their adventure. Seek out the dreaded Kobold Queen, players must discover the secrets behind a prophecy made about a new world born from fire and blood and stop its creation before it's too late. Lair of the Red Dragon players face one of the most powerful beasts, featuring a single, sizeable miniature of the fiery lizard itself, with an almost foot-wide wingspan. Lair of the Red Dragon is said to offer a somatic dragon battle. These two epic encounters were both written and designed by Matt Hart, Steamforged co-founder and co-creator of soon-to-be-defunct football fantasy miniatures game Guild Ball, and Richard August, who previously worked on licensed RPG Conan Adventures in an Age Undreamed Of. Steamforged, which has released official miniatures for D&D web series Critical Role, as well as various video board games, will be publishing the Epic Encounters series later this year. Both Shrine of the Kobold Queen and Lair of the Red Dragon are set to be released on October the 12th at a retail price of $50 or £40, with more entries in the Epic Encounters series on the way. Kickstarters now. 24th of August is the release of Antimatter. Antimatter is claimed to be the first and only poker strategy board game for three to six players. Enter a lore-rich universe and take command of unique crew of spacefarers, each vying to plunder, smuggle, gamble and bluff their way to supremacy. Featuring a blend of Texas Hold'em poker and strategy gaming, Antimatter is a true genre-busting game with something for everybody. Players choose one of six crews to command. Each crew has its own deck of crew cards, which can be used in-game to gain advantages over your opponents. Each round of play is divided into loot and poker phases. During the loot phase, players manoeuvre their three ships around the board, collecting salvage and cargo as they go. Once everyone has moved, players have the opportunity to further their ill-gotten gains with a round of Texas Hold'em. First player to 4,000 credits wins. Galaxy Hunters relaunches on the 25th of August. 
Galaxy Hunters sees two to four players take on the role of mercenaries hired by the Megacorps to hunt and harvest the rampant mutations. Featuring an inventive plot and mech combination system, pairing different pilots with different mechs unlocks new powers and special abilities. Use your money earned for harvesting DNA from the creatures, players upgrade their mechs with new weapons and items. Galaxy Hunters seamlessly blends the excitement of crafting a unique character with a deep strategy of Eurogame-style worker placement. Mentioned in the news a few weeks ago, Quinn finally makes its way to Kickstarter on the 31st of August. Quinn is an abstract tabletop strategy game. Players control 17 pieces made of 9 different distinct types, all with different speed, powers and capture abilities. The goal of Quinn is easy. You just got to reach the centre with your main light piece, or capture your opponent's piece. Your pieces are always faced away from your rival, making deception and memory two of the most important skills in play. Use a piece's special ability, like memory that swaps places with another piece, time that can move an opposing piece backward, peripherals that can circle the sides of the board, or shadows that reach far and capture everything. In Quinn, your choices and how well you know your rival are what determine your fate. The Quinn board is magnetic and based on a traditional grid. If you can imagine that grid warped into a circle by a black hole, that is. It only takes five moves to reach the centre from the start, but you'll never take the same route twice. And finally, our friends over at Stop, Drop and Roll are still in need of your help with their Kickstarter campaign, Pugs in Mugs. At time of recording, they've currently just passed their 75% mark, but still need a few more of your pledges to carry them over. If you haven't had a chance yet, pop on over and take a peek at only £10 for the base card game. It really is a steal for this fabulously designed and artworked game. Well, thank you, gents, and everyone listening from your time. I shall see you again next week. Thanks for that, Paul. That was really interesting. Now time to lock you back away again. <laughs> I really need to find that padlock, you know. <laughs> He's escaped. <laughs> He's escaped, but I'm sure we'll put him back under lock and key ready for next week. <laughs> so, Ian, have you got anything else you want to add this week? As per usual, stay well, stay safe, everyone. You can come find us on Discord every Monday. We still have our Monday meets. Um, we're always having a laugh. As I said, you've seen me this week. I've even been playing some random computer games uh, with everyone. And we've always got Tabletop Simulator at the ready. God bless Tabletop Simulator deserves a medal for how much it's got us gamers through the past few months. It's really nice that obviously things are starting to open up, but we do always recommend, guys, just be careful. If you are attending gaming clubs that are dipping their toes into reopening, just make sure you do everything you can to protect the rest of the community. We don't, we d- we don't want to be held accountable for you know causing any kind of horribleness to our fellow community members if you do like what you have heard from us today as always we just ask that you leave us a review on apple Podcasts if you really liked it there are five stars there that could do could always do with being ticked share and subscribe let's get the word out there let more people hear our fantastic tones and our fantastic discussions and if you couldn't get enough of us through the the um, different podcast links we're now on youtube as well that's right we had a few people that really wanted to listen to the content, but they were just not into using 
podcast things. But they said, oh, well, you know, we, we usually just stick YouTube on when we're uh, when we're doing our paintings. I was like, guess what? Cool. We're now on YouTube for you guys. So obviously share that as well. If you could subscribe to our channel, it really helps with those YouTube algorithms. And comments were always welcome. Positive or negative, that also helps. Exactly. A comment is a comment. Come and abuse us, it'll be fun. Exactly. Let's give us some fun. (laughs) And don't forget, guys, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for the podcast with Crawley Gaming Community. You can also email us on Community at gmail.com. That's all from us, guys. We are going to leave it there. We will see you next week where we will talk about something else that's probably gaming-related but not always guaranteed. Do take care, stay safe, and we'll see you next week. Have a good one. Bye-bye.